Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding, solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life, Business for Good, our dedicated B Corp series. Today I catch up with Cliff Ho, co-founder and managing director of The Commons. The Australian co-working business redefined the workplace experience. Listen in as we chat about his past life as a TV presenter in Southeast Asia, the power of visualization in designing your life, and how they have become experts at creating communities. Hey Cliff, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thanks, Vince, for having me on the show, mate. Appreciate it. Oh, it's really, really cool to uh, to, to 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 be talking to you today. You're in Melbourne, uh, in the Commons, yes. uh, in South Yarra, which we were down there a few weeks ago, actually, um, with Andrew Davies from B Corp himself, uh, interviewing him in your podcast room. Absolute legend. Yeah, we're. In, I'm, I'm in the same room now, so. Uh, you came over to the dark side, mate, and uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for recording out of our studio. Oh, it was a beautiful experience, wonderful place, amazing people buzzing around. It's so cool to see the energy. Uh, a lot of places around Sydney still are quiet, but definitely in the Commons down in Melbourne, they were uh, a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals, kind of just mm. chatting, ideating, drinking coffee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's good, good that you got the energy going there. Yeah, we're back in the full swing of things and uh, we've actually, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but we, yeah, we've seen a full recovery. We've got to wait just now to get in and it's just fantastic to see people back in the office and, you know, collaborating, sharing ideas and and growing their business. That's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. You are the co-founder and managing director of The Commons. Uh, for people who don't know what The Commons is, can you explain it in a, in a nutshell? Basically, we're a shared workspace workspace. Uh, based in Sydney and Melbourne, and we started in 2016. Uh, now we've grown to 11 sites, and wow. yeah, it's been been, a, been quite the journey, um, but we mainly cater for, towards more, you know, diverse range of businesses. Um, we sort of do have a lot of creatives and, and tech companies within our space, but we, we do encourage diversity, and, and, uh, and that sort of kind of gets different ways of thinking within the commons, and and members sort of interacting uh, and sharing ideas. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant place. We've experienced our, ourselves by being in there. Um, what I tend to do is kind of talk about, okay, establish who you are, <laughs> your business, etc. Let's go back to um, your childhood. What, you, what were your parents' influences on you growing up? Um, yeah, pretty massive, actually. Well, I, have, I came, came from a background of immigrant parents. My father was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, from quite a pretty wealthy family, I'd say that, you know, he was fortunate enough to be sent out to Australia to study back, you know, in those days. My dad's yeah. 80 now, right? So, um, gives you an idea of how, how, how many years ago that was. But, uh, and my mum's actually, you know, what a, what a time to talk about it, but she's Ukrainian. Um, so, and ah. she sort of were sort of the struggling first gen- generation immigrant family in Australia. So I was sort of saw, you know, both sides of somewhat a father that came from a bit of privilege and a mum that was sort of came from a very working class family in Australia, which was, which is great to see. And, uh, you know, and that, yeah, they had a big influence. Mum sort of taught me more compassion and, and dad being the Chinese side that he is, uh, it was all about, um, business and, and, uh, you know, uh, I guess money, which is not always the, the, the best thing, but happy to be honest about it. Uh, 
is very much yeah. ingrained growing up as a as a child in in a Chinese uh, having a Chinese father. Wow, amazing and a nice nice balance of the the two influences. Yeah. Um, did you have any plans on what you wanted to do after school? Did you were you kind of one of these kids that kind of didn't have an an idea, or did you have an idea what you wanted to do? I wasn't a great student, and yeah, to be honest, I was sort of um, you know I was a bit lost, you could say, and and I think it happens a lot. I remember thinking at school when I was seventeen or eighteen, and I was seeing a lot of people just doing an arts degree. It was the kind of fallback degree that, that people would yeah. go to, and they get themselves in debt. Or I remember seeing a lot of people become accountants and do things that were sort of the yeah, part of the norm. The public pressure was sort of like, hey, you should go to university and do this. And and a lot of the times, a lot of these people never eventually, like my brother studied a law degree. He did. He's a lawyer and he studied banking and finance. Yeah. Now, now his career now, doesn't he does not even work in this realm at all. So uh, not that to say, you know, further education is a bad thing, but I think when you're 18, there's a lot of pressure to figure out what you want to do. And I don't think most people not really know what they want to do. So no. for me, I was, yeah, I sort of was wanted to uh, just explore the world and still discover who I am. And I'm probably still doing that today. So yeah. Well, you're still incredibly young. Um, uh, not, was, oh, I'm 36. I'm 36 now, so I'm, I'm oh. definitely packing on the kilos and uh, oh my god, <laughs> getting the wrinkles and the bags under the eyes. With now recently had a, a, my first child, so it's been it's been a journey. Oh, amazing, man! You've really you are packing in, and you are uh, you've achieved so much at such a young age, which is really really cool. Oh, I love the fact that we talked the other day, and it kind of turns out that you were a TV presenter for Channel V, based in Asia. Um, yes. How did it's, that was like wow. Uh, that's so cool. Uh, how did you end up getting into that? When I was 21, I, I sort of got the travel bug and I backpacked around the world. So it sort of started from that and I sort of, you know, traveled for a year and it was, that was probably the, when I look back on it, it was probably, probably one of the happiest times of my life. You know, I shouldn't say that cause I have recently <laughs> coming down. I was just, <laughs> but, if you what get about what I mean, now? Uh, love it. Absolutely love it. Different type of happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have no pressure and there was something, yeah. this was before iPhones. So we, we had a Lonely Planet book and you travel the world. We went through Asia, Europe, and America, did a you know, whole bunch of different jobs, become a builder, bartender, did a whole sort of things just to earn a, earn a dollar when I was traveling. And, and, um, and it, was, it, was just a, it was just a great way to sort of see the world and, and experience life and not be stuck on your phones what we're seeing today. And, and um, yeah. when I got back from Australia, I was sort of like, what do I do in my life? And and then I, my dad's from Hong Kong, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm a resident of Hong Kong, and yeah. it's always been in the back of my mind. I did pass through there when I was backpacking, and I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go over there and uh, and 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 go work. So I didn't know what I wanted to do there, but I had a friend that worked in the gyms in Hong Kong, some high end gyms, and he was earning really good money there. So I was 21 at the time, moved to Hong Kong, got my um, became a qualified personal trainer, did an interview with this gym, Pure Fitness, and they said, listen, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're not, you're not experienced <laughs> enough as a personal trainer. You just did a quick course online, which is fair enough. Uh, but you know what? You, you can still- You had the body, right? Uh, uh, I was probably pretty pretty skinny, to be honest. Didn't even have the body. It didn't even have the body, mate. So, oh, Jesus. Um, you know, nothing was going for me, but, but I, I ended up getting a job selling <laughs> gym memberships at that company. And they were sort of training yeah. me up to become a personal trainer. So it was, they were lovely there and they were fantastic and it all went well. And then I had a friend that was a radio DJ and he was going back to the UK, your motherland. And, uh, and um, yeah, I, I, I sort of, he said, you should audition. And so had no experience, but I auditioned and they, I got the gig. And then from there, you get sort of, once you're in that sort of entertainment, showbiz area um you get a manager so i end up getting a manager and an agent i guess you could say an audition mm -hmm. popped up in in the philippines to audition to be a tv host for channel v and a, a lot, lot of fox owned channel v national geographic at the time and they outsourced mm -hmm. a lot of the the work in in uh, into the philippines so i went over there auditioned uh landed the gig and um, the rest was sort of history it was such a wild job i think that was that was a lot yeah, of fun Surprised um, you can remember any of it. <laughs> what are you? What are you suggesting there, Vince? Um, well, you must, yes, there must right. have been a lot of parties going on there. Yeah, there was, um, you know, 
yeah, huge. I mean, we, we yeah, huge amount of partying. Um, we sort of, you know, I was fortunate enough to interview and also spend personal time with a lot of these big celebrities that came out to Asia. Kanye West, I interviewed Usher, Miley Cyrus, Black Eyed Peas, you know, Jason Mraz, every big DJ, every big K-pop star. So, um, you know, and then after the gigs, you, you almost have drinks with them and, and away you go. And it was, I remember the first time I got the gig, it was, um, there was a big typhoon in the Philippines and, and I was sort of, there was probably over a hundred thousand people and it was this, this, this big stage outdoor concert, free concert. They were raising money for, for charity and me and my co-host Alvi got on stage and I, I was so nervous. I've never lied, hosted in front of people and I absolutely tanked. I was not good at all. And you just sort of, over time you get better and better and probably within the first six to 12 months, you know, I was practicing a lot, getting in front of camera, doing a lot of yeah. um, gigs on, you know, live, live hosting events and, and eventually over time, you know, you, you hone in on your craft and, and then, um, you know, I did that gig for, for nearly six years and then, then wow. sort of decided to hang up the mic. Well, actually, let's, can we just talk about that? What, that? What's that transition like from, you know, tanking it, feeling, you know, crapping yourself on stage in front of 100,000 people? I mean, I guess you did TV too. So, like, how, how, yeah. how did you kind of, how did you manage that evolution to kind of gain confidence? Because like, some people just go, oh, screw this, I can't do it, you know, I'm, mm. I'm not good enough, you know? Yeah, you sort of have to throw yourself in the deep end, and and, and if you if you in, in a if you're in this if you if you if you're sort of wrapped in cotton wool your whole life, you never get out of your comfort zone, so you don't grow yeah. as a human. Yeah. So, you know, I was very aware of that, and and it's sort of you know I had a great mentor and a channel head, uh, JM Rodriguez, and he sort of took me under his wing and and just constantly was just like, look, Cliff, let's do this again, go get in front of camera again, and. It's just, you know, I'd stay back after hours and, and read the teleprompter and just mastered it. And, you know, over time, you, you just got better and better and you gained confidence and and then it ended up becoming second nature. Like jumping in front of the camera back then was, you know, it's like talking to you now. It was it was very, it became very natural. And that's sort of what I wanted to get to a stage in, as a TV host. So it became very natural. So it was engaging to the audience and obviously do quite entertaining interviews. But, you know, they weren't hard-hitting interviews. This is, you know... We're, you're you're a TV presenter for a music channel, so you sort of it was pretty much just asking fun questions and to to the big big pop stars uh, yeah. and uh, you know um, yeah, but that that was a wild time and it was sort of it, it did give me a lot of confidence that otherwise you know I did that gig I started that gig I started that gig at 22 and finished at uh, 27. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of 27. So that was just something that was, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well, that must have helped you enormously um, to, to break that, that barrier. I know, I know that um, <laughs> what I remember back when I think I was like 27 or maybe a bit younger, 25, back in London, and I had to do a talk in front of 3,000 people. And, you know, I got one of those little mini vodka bottles. I, that was my – I was – Scared, I was scared, Sless, yeah. um, and and I I knocked it back just before I was going on stage, and only but but they cancelled, they delayed my um, presentation by a couple of hours, which had a really detrimental effect on my presentation <laughs> because I was uh, I wasn't so pumped up after that. But I mean, obviously, presenting um, that confidence, you know, a, a genuine confidence, and have being able to kind of connect with people is something that's really powerful and does make a big difference in mm. your life in work in business etc so it's something that's so important for for individuals to kind of they feel like they're not they don't have that confidence they shouldn't be feeling that that's just how it is and how, how it has to stay mm. that you can actually with the right coaching learn how to um <coughs> you know be well, you know connect with people in a meaningful way I, I mean here's something that always sticks with me you know you sort of get a half an hour, 15-minute time slot with a lot of these, you know, whether, whether it be Kanye or Miley, whoever you sit down with and have an interview. But they, they're, they're, you realise they're all just humans. And, and yeah. so I remember Kanye got off stage after we were in Singapore and performed and the first thing he came up and asked, and we are literally just on, on the back backstage and we had an interview ready for him. And he's like, hey, how was I? Was I good? What do you guys think? And I'm thinking to myself, you're the biggest rap rapper in history yeah. right now. Why, why are you asking for our approval? Like, this yeah. is what was going through my head. And I was thinking to myself, gee, Kanye, you're amazing. Like, you are, 
you know, this superstar and you're sort of looking to a sort of nobody that you've never met before and our co-hosts, hey, how was I? And it was just something, it just stuck with me that, you know, we all kind of go through our, you know, our yeah. doubt. We all have our doubts, I guess. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but yeah, you're right. Like the, the ability to be able to, you know, bond or quickly connect with someone, especially before the camera's rolling. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm Cliff and, you know, just yeah, my, my style is a bit more cheeky. So when I, when yeah, I was in yeah. front of them and, and get them to relax and then eventually, hopefully they open up and give a good interview. And that was sort of, that was a style um, that sort of, that you know that I kind of pursued and, and it kind of worked well. So I, I was pretty fortunate that Fox sort of when every big star came to town, they kind of said, "Cliff, you're up, go out yeah. and, and and do it." And it got to a stage where you know you write your own questions, you do your own research. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. So, and did they? I guess they would have warned the star of your cheekiness too, right? Not really, but it was <laughs> oh, never, never bad. But it was sort of you know this is a younger audience, so it didn't. But you know. I, I, you'd ask questions like I remember yeah. saying hey Kanye what do you think of the Asian ladies and you know just little little things like that singing with Miley Cyrus and uh, it was just yeah they would, it was it was a, definitely a good memory and it was something that was so invaluable we might you know imagine being 22 thrown into that world yeah. um, all that responsibility but it, it does build, build your confidence now I could have failed and got fired in the first six months which would have crushed my confidence but yeah. luckily enough you know I pursued and kept kept grinding away and it sort of you know, it didn't go to my head, I guess, which you no. could easily do. You'd go to clubs and I'd be like, we got DJ Cliff Ho in the house. And, you know, it's quite easy for that that world <laughs> where, you you know, you know you're a D-grade, you know, sort of celeb at the time. And that's how I look, always looked at it. But it was sort of, there were times you go, oh, geez, life's pretty damn good. You get free alcohol yeah. and, uh, you know, you get treated pretty well. But, um, yeah, it was just a whole, it was a different world. And, and uh, you know, it was important to sort of stay grounded as well. Yeah, I tell you, if Kanye had asked me, I'd have said, well, you know, it probably wasn't as good as what I've heard before. It wasn't good as, you know. <laughs> like, you really yeah. play with the guy. You're like, what? I know, I know. Really? He would have, he, would have, he would have thrown something at me. Yeah. He was a lovely um, guy, though. You know, the bigger the star was, the the, the better they are were, were with media. And it was sort of, um, Miley, the same, the, the sort of, the smaller, what I noticed, like the, I shouldn't say this, but you know, the smaller the star or the the you know, whether it be K pop yeah. or your Jason Mraz, like they were just arrogant, they were rude, you know, they didn't have time for media, they didn't want to be there. And it was just something that stuck with me that I was like, you know what, that's you know, it can, I can understand why people are where they are. Yeah. And it's so, so it's really interesting. How do you get from that to the commons? <laughs> I mean, have you, I mean, have you always been interested in property? Is that like, like let's just go, what happened when you left uh, uh, the Philip? It was the Philippines, right? Uh, Hong Kong at the time, yeah. Oh, so Hong we, Kong, we, so. we're around we're around the region, so we've shown in I think thirty countries, and yeah, sort of was flying in the Philippines and Hong Kong was sort of the two two main offices. Um, what happened? So I was you know, twenty seven. I remember thinking I had a travel show at the time, still hosting for Channel V, but I remember thinking, geez, I'm getting a little older. And I and I saw I know that sounds crazy, but I did see yeah, a lot that of sounds crazy. my co-hosts, not on Channel V, but other other networks, and they're still auditioning for shows and they're 35, 40. And I was like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be looking not knowing where my next gig is. And that's sort of the the hard thing with the entertainment gig, you know, business. Like if you're an actor, a lot of actors aren't Tom Cruise, you know, where you can just pick and choose your show or Will Smith. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's sort of it's a struggle. So uh, that that was always in the back of my mind, and I said that was fun. I'll time to close the chapter and, and finish finish at you know sort of at the top of my game, I guess. Um, so I was very aware. Well, that's, and I, that's that's unusual to do, isn't it? It is, and I knew that like if I'm not Ryan Seacrest producing my own shows, then then there's no point. Well, actually, I'll give you the backstory. I actually sold my. I had a. You got a, fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I did get fired. <laughs> I actually sold. Uh, I had a, a small apartment at the time that I purchased at 21 sold that to produce my own TV show for Channel V. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was very naive about it. Um, I sort of poured a lot of money into this creating a pilot and it was called Live Like a Ho and it was, it was my bucket list, everything I wanted to do before <laughs> I died. So <laughs> I shot a rocket launcher in, in, in Cambodia. You know, I, I um, jumped out of a plane. I wanted to jump out naked, but, you know, they wouldn't let me. But, you know, so we filmed all these, you know, fun, fun things. And 
Um, and it's sort of, you know, they, they aired it and it was sort of something fun, but they never picked it up because Channel V at the time, which I didn't know and wasn't aware, was music channel was dying because YouTube was taking over at the time. Music oh. videos were dying. So ratings yeah. were super down. Um, and that's just me not asking the right questions, thinking, you know, right. being probably a bit naive and, and, and thinking, you know, I've got, I've got the world in my hands. So I did try and make something bigger of myself there, but it just failed and actually tanked. But I remember thinking to myself, you know what, I don't want to, after that, I, it sort of, I wanted to sort of have control of my own life and not have someone tell me whether it's something's green, greenlit or not. So I came back home, which was a hard decision, one of the hardest decisions yeah. I've had to make, uh, and I moved back home. My mum my lives in Frankston uh, in Melbourne. And yep. moved back home, my old bedroom. Good spot. Yeah, good spot. I mean, you know, it's not a, it, it's got a bad name, but she lives in a, in the Frankston South, which is, a, you know, a little, little bit Ooh. nicer anyway. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. But anyway, um, and so I lived back home, moved in with mum, and that was sort of a fall from grace. And then I was working for my uncle. Uh, earning, oh, hang on. As well, a you build. love your mum. But and you do, but when you're 27 and living on your own and when you're a single yeah. man and, you know, life is good, and to living with mum uh, in your old bedroom, uh, you know, working for my uncle as a builder, uh, just helping, you know, just a general labourer, you know, knocking down brick walls, earning 200 bucks a day and thinking and waking up. I used to go to bed at, you know, in the early hours of the morning. Now I was waking up at, you know, 5.30 in the morning, getting on site and, and, and working. So it was a real, real big change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So from there, um, I start. I said, you know, always in the back of my mind, I wanted to start my own production company. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking at different fields to get into, and it was pretty hard to break into the agency work, doing commercial work. Um, and so I found a niche doing property videos. So I started my own production production mm-hmm. company called Real Estate Productions, and. That was probably one of the hardest I've ever had to work. You know, was grinding out doing real estate videos, um, uh, and just kept you know calling, just working by myself, shooting, editing at night, um, and then during the day trying to grow the business while shooting. And you know, it was just the weekends constantly yeah. working, editing, uh, shooting auctions, and then eventually hired staff. and And we grew that business within two years to doing over two thousand property videos a year. Um, and so that was just a big grind, but it was also fun. It taught me a lot, taught me how to, you know, I made a hell of a lot of mistakes, um, huge amount of mistakes, managing people, micromanaging, you know, lost, went through staff, just, just, you know, really basic things looking back now, but at the time we were, you know, I was, I was, I was kind of doing everything wrong, but one thing I was doing right was sort of getting customers and growing the business. So, um, did that and then always had the idea when I was living in Asia, you know, we do a lot of shoots in studios, but I thought how good would it be to have a photography studio, green screen, recording studio where all these creatives can come work from and, you know, yeah. it'd just be this, this um, you know, this great culture, I guess. And then Tom, my business partner, I went to school with, he's an ex-banker from Macquarie. He's the, he's the brains and the finance guy and uh, puts numbers together. And we sort of looked at the business model and said, look, this isn't going to work. And then we kind of looked into the, the bigger picture of co-working more offices. And then that yeah. started, the model started to add up now, you know, doing more private offices and, and dedicated desks to the model that we have now. So I didn't have the money at the time to start the commons. Um, my business partner, Tom, did, but I just said, give me two more years for the production company. So I did, I grinded more, saved money, and then I put everything into the first Commons, which we opened in Collingwood. And we found that site, you know, in 2015, it's, it's the old Swiss Spiderman's building. And yeah, we signed that deal and the rest was sort of history. We, we, we opened it up and it filled in four months. And it was sort of always just a site. It was only ever going to be one site and I was really focused on my production company. Um, but then we fell in love with the business um, the members, so super infectious, you know, when you walk in yeah. the doors and you see people collaborating and growing and, you know, anyway, and that sort of was like, no, this is what I want to do. And ever since then, you know, I, even going through the toughest times like COVID, I still absolutely love what, what I do and I absolutely love the commons and it's something, it's like another baby to me. It's, it's a child yeah, yeah. And, and it's something that I'm obsessed with. Well, often it is obviously it's a combination of you know the two founders kind of brought this together. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of yin and yang, isn't it? It's kind of together yeah. you can make it super powerful. We're schoolmates. We've never had a fight to this day. Uh, we've been in business six years, and that's crazy given the ups and downs that we have had. But 
we said when we get, went into this business, you know, I'm ch- in charge more on the day-to-day, the branding, you know, the creative side of the business. Tom's in charge with the yeah. numbers. Um, and, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's worked really well for us. And we, not, we have healthy debates and, you know, uh, in a respectful way. But at the end of the day, he, if it's to do with like, hey, you know, can we afford this? Tom says yes or no, and he, he has a final say on that, and I respect that decision. So, you know, um, that's worked really well, and 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 um, I'm really lucky enough to have found an awesome business partner in Tom, and I think we've, yeah, we've yeah. made a really good team for ourselves. Yeah, that's cool. And and I guess you've got 11 sites now, which is incredible. Um, at the time, was, was WeWork around, or was it like – was that your kind of reference that you're looking to? Um. WeWork wasn't in Australia at the time, no. So we started mm. in 2016. I think they entered the market in 2017, 2018. Oh, okay. We did yeah. hear about WeWork and a few others yeah, yeah. Um, in the market. So we did look at what They got was, a little bit of press, didn't they? They did get a little bit of press. <laughs> to be fair, I'm a, big fan, yeah, I'm a big fan of WeWork. I think they've done, you know, what the guys did, you know, it's so, so hard to, to open up a co-working space. Like it's so much work. You, you fit out, you know, um, to building the community, to getting people in, managing your your team and sort of, you know, to see them roll out like 500 locations in the space of three or four years is impressive. Yes, did they scale too fast? You know, they did a few things. They went a bit too hard. But I, in my opinion, I think WeWork will come back strong and I think they're well-placed to be, um, you know, to to turn a really good profit within the next 12 months or 24 months. Um, So I'll just kind of... Put that out there that I'm. A, I am a fan of, of what the guys, what the work, yeah. and what what, the, what what they've done there. Um, but yeah, they were in the mark. They were there. They weren't in Australia at the time. We, when we were in, there was probably only you know, three or four co-working spaces in in sort of Melbourne at the time. I think. Um, and then we sort of right. opened up, and we were the you know one of the smaller ones. But then we sort of grown and grown, and you know the rest is sort of history. We, we, we were looking, we were uh, moving out of our studio in Redfern uh, and we couldn't find a new, you know, long-term space. Um, and we, we came into the commons in Chippendale, um, uh, you know, basketball courts, free coffee, cereal, dog-friendly podcast <laughs> room. That was a bonus. Um, yeah. and, and our guys, our guys loved it. And I was like, we're in there for a few months, I think, and uh, great meeting rooms, et cetera. Great. You got great people. Mm. Front of house, etc. Like going, they're well, awesome, aren't they? Why, why do we need to? Let's do we need to go anywhere else? This seems to be good from to to me, but it's some, it's interesting. Like I, I kind of like in a way, hindsight, wish I would would stayed in there. To be honest, um, <laughs> if I because obviously then COVID hit, and then we're all like yeah. dispersed uh, to our homes. I and I guess that would have had an, had an yeah, it would have had an effect on you guys. I guess everyone like left the commons. <clears throat> uh, um, what happened in that at that time? Oh, that was, yeah, that was a dark moment. Uh, in, you don't in, have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, happy but. to, happy to. Uh, I mean, everyone's probably got stories. Some businesses have done extremely well during COVID. We were definitely not a pandemic-proof business. Um, 2020 was really difficult. Um, we didn't panic, which, which was, which was, which was, I thought was very important. And, and you know, we... I remember in the first few months of that pandemic and the borders were closed and it was just a ghost town. You know, we had members coming in in hazmat suits, taking their laptops and stuff away. No one knew what was going on. And then, yeah, yeah, members were cancelling and people wanting to get out of their membership agreements. But I will say majority of our members, they stuck by us. We had a great relationship with them and and we worked with each member and, and we didn't, we sat down, Tom and I, and we said, what's what's the goal here? Like, okay, if this yeah. pandemic's going to kick off and it's super, super bad, which it has been bad, but as in, like, you know, it's some doomsday thing, well, we're screwed anyway. But if we're going to come out the other end, let's make sure we look after our staff and look after our members and we, we really maintain our reputation in the market. And so I can honestly say that we can there wouldn't be one member that would say we screwed them or didn't look after them. And I, and that's something I'm really proud of. Um, you know, give you an example. We had an events business where they had a, just signed a 12 month agreement with us. And, you know, obviously events got hit super hard. Um, we yeah. had, you know, a whole bunch of different businesses like wedding, wedding videographers. And we just, we let them out. We just said, look, even though we needed the money ourselves, we yeah, said, yeah. let's all right, guys, we'll give you a full, we'll give you your, 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 mem- um, your deposit back and all these things. And, 
And then we had companies like Who Gives a Crap, uh, you know, who do toilet paper, and they absolutely boomed. And then Simon was a big supporter, and he said, don't worry, we're going to back you guys, and they paid him for the whole time. So we saw the best um, of humanity and, and, and our members really yeah, yeah. come together, and we just wanted to survive. That's all mattered to us. It wasn't, yeah. you know, Tom and I, we, we didn't know how bad this was going to get. We didn't take a wage for six months, if not longer, and we made sure we paid all our staff in full. We didn't let anyone go. Um, and then, you know, we got through that period. We, we did get down to pretty low occupancy, 60, maybe 55%, um, which was, which is super low for us. Um, and then, but that's still credit to our members for sticking it out with us. And what we did, we, we just called every member like all the time. And when, when COVID hit, it's like, Hey, how can we support you? What's going on? You know? And they're just like, thanks for the call. You know, I just, Remember back, no one yeah, knew what yeah. was going on. So, no. and then twenty at the end of twenty twenty, we sort of Australia was COVID free, and we were already committed to opening up Cremorne, uh, which is our largest site. And when we opened, we filled that whole building in ten weeks, thirty five hundred square wow. meters, five hundred fifty members, Jeez. and that was something that was just like whoa. You know, we've always been full, but now we know demand for flex flexible workspace is even stronger. So. Yeah. We opened up another site, South Yarra, and that got to about 70% occupancy in 2021, and then Delta hit, another lockdown. But this time around, it was less because members were sort of used to it and everyone was just sort of frustrated and over it, to be honest. Um, yeah. And then, you know, once everyone got vaccinated, we opened up. It? Even with Omicron, it happened over Christmas. We sort of, um, we are comp- like, it's, it's one of those things that was like a, 2020, we lost a lot of money. 2021, we turned a profit. Not a big one, but we did turn a profit. And 2022, we're, we're, we, uh, we have a wait list now to get into the majority of our sites. Business is performing well, and we, we were able to secure three new venues. George Street, Sydney, which is our will be our largest site, 5,200 square metres, opposite Apple and LV store. Uh, Surrey Hills in Sydney, which we're opening there, which we're putting a movie theatre in there and an on-site cafe, which would be absolutely awesome. And then we're opening another one in Collingwood, um, uh, which I think you had him on your podcast. David Flack is designing from Flack Studio. Yeah, which I was is gonna say, awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, David and Mark, uh, wonderful yeah, guys, absolutely and awesome, like doing incredible work. I was asking a question, have a question around what is your, how, how do you get the formula right? So designing these spaces, these places, and how how have they evolved from the first one to number eleven, for example? <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. what, what, what are you doing that's making it so compelling for people? Well, what, what have you learned through that process yeah. as well? What do, you, what do you know that doesn't work and what does work, et cetera? I mean, it's, it's a lot of little things done right. And, and if you think about personalities, so you've got introvert, extroverts, and then there's times where people are hungover or they're not feeling up for it or they really want to be socializing and they want to get out there. So yeah. it's... So if you understand how humans interact and how they're, how they're feeling emotionally, then we can design the building to that. And so if you go into any of our commons, especially the new, new spaces, there are places where you can collaborate. You know, we, own, we always have one main kitchen. Um, not to compare with WeWork, but to give you an idea, you could go into a WeWork building. You could go on to level four, level seven, level eight. And there's a kitchen and has every one of your amenities that you'd want. And you can go up to level seven to your office and leave and never have to interact with anyone else. We said that you can't create community that way. So no. we, how we design the spaces is by you know, having one main kitchen, even though there's tea points throughout the building. But if you want apples, cereals, beer and cider, there's one main kitchen and where we put all the events on and everyone forces everyone from the building having to come down. Or there's a library or a meditation room, which is on. We deliberately place them around the different floors. We don't close off anything, besides from people's private offices. So it gets members moving around the building so they can, this collision occurs, so they can bump into each other and spark a conversation, which then creates an idea, which leads to a new business venture or a new way of thinking, which I think is very important. You know, people surrounding yourself with the same like minded people is not always great. Having a diverse range of different opinions is very healthy. Um, because it challenges your ideas. And that's helped me every day. I speak to different members. I go, I never thought of that. Great. So we design spaces where there's quiet spaces, if you just need to put your head down, there's cozy little nooks where if you just don't want to speak to anyone all day, you can do that. Um, And then there's a lot of collaborative spaces because as we know, now people want to come back. Um, And, you know, there's this talk of death of of the office. For us, we've seen anything but that. 
Um, And, you know, we've seen, you know, a huge demand, I guess. And that's just through, I think, you know, Aussies love to um, have have a really good work-life balance and they want to be, you know, obviously don't want to be working from their kitchen table, you know, five days a week and have, that's really no work-life balance actually because you're bringing your work home every day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good point. I mean, um, it's funny when we were when we were trying to promote the idea to our guys. You go free beer, you know. They they were like free beer. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that stood out for them the most. Okay. until they went in there and they go, actually, my God, this is a really well thought through yeah an, env- an environment. I guess that the you know during the COVID, there's been a lot of people breaking away from organizations or people working from home that maybe would go to a we work uh, sorry. Um, the commons uh, have a desk there, for example, mm-hmm. instead of going into the city and all that. Like, yep. have you got a lot of kind of startups, transient people? Yep. Like, you know, what kind of what kind of what's the cross section of people that are in your the commons? You know, it's everything now. We've sort of seen companies inquiring for a hundred desks, all the way down to freelancers, you know, needing one desk or starting out a business. And um, and yeah, it's a good. In, in fact, probably. When we started out, it was mainly freelancers, um, you know, and single desk users coming in or two desk users. But as sort of this 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 market's matured in, in this flexible workspace, we're seeing a lot more larger enterprise companies come into this space. But yeah, we, we've got a huge, again, a huge diverse uh, range of businesses from large corporations like Spotify and you know who gives a crap PayPal, um, you know to your startups that are, you know, literally work grinding from day one, um, which is awesome to see. And I think that's sort of what makes, when you walk through the doors, it's what makes a place special. Um, and, you know, mm. I guess to your point as well, you know, having hiring really well, like our team here are absolutely fantastic. And they, you know, we, we always say, yes, yes, yes. Whatever the members want, we try and go above and beyond to, you know, our objective, it's not about keeping the build, be, building full. Whilst that's nice and it's important because we need to pay wages and we need to pay our rent, yeah. um, it's it's to help our members grow. And if we can help our members grow their business and we can help their staff be much happier and have it maintain a better work life balance uh, and 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 create meaningful connection um, yeah. at work, then we've done our job. And whether they move on to a bigger office or they do something else, that's fantastic. And some people do that as well. But um, and that's so that's you know a big part of what we do as well. It's how we sort of curate the space, the events we put on, how how the how the place gets activated after hours from from different talks and we which we haven't been able to do during COVID. And obviously online events mm. they absolutely yeah. suck. No one likes online events. Let me <laughs> let me put that on record. And we we've done a yeah, lot of yeah, them during no, COVID, and they just they died. They actually died on the died on its ass. You know, no one no one wants to go on Zoom. It's like going to a live concert, or do you want want to watch it on? YouTube, you go to the live concert, you know. Well, let's let's talk about that around, you know, the the the, the true physical experience with people, because there's still a lot of people saying, oh, you know, everyone likes to work from home now. Mm. It's all about flexibility, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Fewer people coming in, going into offices and stuff like that. I mean, that's that that is happening as well as people go into your place and you're being inundated by people who want to be amongst other people. What, what, what is that, that human interaction, the energy around that, that makes it compelling and helps individuals to grow? You said you want to help people grow. Mm. Um, you know, what, what have you seen that kind of, what kind of difference can it make? Well, I mean, think of a world where you go to school, it's all online. You go to university, it's online. You go to work, it's online. Maybe for the generation that have already created friends through work, found love, it's easier to do that. But for the new generation coming through, that's, it's a sad place, and and I don't think the world wants that either. Um, saying that, most of our members before COVID were working hybrid anyway. This isn't nothing new, right? I don't no. know. You know, yeah. our members were coming in when they needed to come in, so yeah, yeah, it yeah. was nothing. You know, a lot of these startups and SME businesses, they 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 were working their own way, uh, and so it wasn't like you had to be in the office nine till five. And we're still seeing that, and that's sort of I think that that the real what you're seeing on the headlines. There's a few things here where. The work from home movement is from large corporations where you're just a number 
where you're an employee where there's 10,000 people and you have a really stale old office, you're working with people you don't want to work with and you don't feel valued in your company. That's the bigger problem. When you feel valued and you come into the office and you're, you know, you're, you're part of something and it's exciting and you're, okay, you've got responsibility and you actually feel valued what you're doing and you can go, yeah, guys, I'm going to work from home today or I'm going to come into the office here, but we're going to get this work done. You know, I we hear it time and time again from founders and, and, and their staff that, yeah, we need to be in the office. Like, we can't work from home. There is the other argument where people are um, really, really productive working from home, and that's fine. There's a place for that as well. So I think it's just a place for everything. And um, But I do think long-term, if you think about it, if you just hire completely remote, number one, for employee-wise, you're up against 7 billion people. So you're not just up yeah. against Aussies. So just watch out because yeah, your job's yeah. going to probably get outsourced to something, someone, you know. Uh, yeah, overseas. Yeah, overseas. Um, for, for, the, for, for the person running the business, there's no loyalty. If you've never actually built a relationship with no. anyone in the company, imagine, okay, someone else headhunts me. I'll, I'll go over there because you've never interacted. You've only, you know, what I felt was during COVID, it was easy to go on go online because everyone was online because we're, we're in a pandemic. And I felt the world became very transactional and angry. Everyone was angry online. Yeah. Um, it was Slack. It was Zoom calls, Zoom, hang up again, Zoom calls. And there was no, hey, how are you doing? Can I hug you? Like, let, let, let's see each other. Let's have a drink. Let's go for a coffee. And we forgot how to be humans. Yeah. So 2022 and what, how we're trying to, you know, we're, we're training our team and our staff is let's gently reintroduce everyone to the office. Let's do great events. Um, and yeah. let's reconnect and show people how to be human again, show how, people how to be kind. And people are absolutely loving it. And that's why we're, we're sort of seeing everyone come back and we are full again because there is a great connection and, and people, have, I guess, have missed that social interaction. Lovely uh, summary of what you just said because it, it, it's happening in our own business too. We, we have that same situation where some people are really comfortable coming back, other people really struggling to see the benefit of it. <laughs> you, know, you go, wow, okay. You should have stayed, uh, at, the com- you should have stayed at the Commons, Vince. That's, it. Oh, That's your I know. <laughs> it was the free beer. I just got to get it tapped in and then we're done. Um, uh, actually, I didn't ask you, where did the commons come from? Because it's a lovely name. And um, at first, when you kind of hear mm. about it, you go, shit, that's nice. That actually makes sense. Uh, wh- how did it come about? Um, I can't claim it. My, my, my wife's the creative director, uh, and she founded a, an amazing business called Sunny's in Asia, and it's makeup and eyewear line. Uh, and she, she helped come up with a name. <laughs> it was nothing really. We're just brainstorming and brainstorming. She's like, she said something, common something. I can't remember at the time. And and then I put that in front of it and we took us years. We had the commons.io was our first website. We couldn't get the commons.com.au. It was a restaurant. Uh, yeah. Fortunately for us, um, you know, that website sort of became available and we, we purchased it. And, and then it was important to get all the social handles. So we've got the commons on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, which took us a while. We had connections at Facebook to give us, you know, the commons on all the handles. So at the commons, you can find us there. And, and that's sort of been, yeah, that was important to us from a brand position because branding for the commons is, is is also something that we we spend a lot of time and effort on and, and uh, you know, positioning ourselves in, in our target market, market as well. So I think in England, the commons is like a place, is it like a park or something? Like, um, the Commons is isn't is it the, the Parliament. Commons, I can't remember what it yeah, was. It's a, isn't the House, oh. house of <laughs> the House of Commons? Yeah. yeah, but I guess I guess it's all about the com- commonality yeah. between people too, isn't there as well? Just the common man. Um, yeah. I thought there was something. Anyways, let's, let's <laughs> cut that bit out. Then I've got that wrong. But I think really importantly, you guys are certified B Corp as well, we which are, is really yes. cool. Um, and I'm, this is the B Corp series that we're talking about um, here. How did you hear about that movement and why did you, was it important for you to become B Corp? Um, a good friend of mine, James Thomas, he's a B Corp uh, member himself with his, with his company called Core Projects. He told me about it back when we were starting out. Um, I think, you know, our generation is pretty conscious um, and I'm seeing it through members as well. And they genuinely want to do the right thing. And it's not just profits, 100% profits. And I remember at the time thinking, you know, we were always, you know, from day one, we're always trying to do the right thing. We had a scholarship program. I think we've given over close to a million dollars worth of free memberships to non-for-profits and social enterprise companies. We support local suppliers, you know, all our toilet papers who gives a crap. You know, our coffee beans are from Members Cure who are 100% non-profit organization. So we've always tried to do the right thing. And, you know, we went 100% renewable energy and we did all these things back in 2018, uh, 
2019 and B Corp was in the back of my mind, but I, I didn't think, oh, we needed certification. And I remember stirring my mate up. I'm like, mate, we do way more than you. I don't need a badge at the time. Uh, you know, and it, you know, at the time it was obviously a lot of work as well, especially when you're building your business. There's so much work that has to go into, as you're aware of, Vince, to get certified. Then um, we did apply for it in 2019. I always exaggerate <laughs> that, by the way. I always say it's four years. It wasn't that long. Yeah, I think we but. did it in 2019. We started the process, I'm pretty sure. And it took us a couple of years. Um, but then I got to know the companies and the people behind Big Corp. And, yeah. and it's just amazing. And, and it's, sort of, it's good to sort of be, since we're exposed, the comments exposed to so many businesses and they, they, they jump on our website, they see how, how we do business and it's important to lead by example as well. So yeah. Um, to be certified to B Corp was an honor and, and it's something that wasn't too, once we just got all the paperwork in front of us, it wasn't too much work because we were already doing a lot of the things anyway. Um, so we didn't have to change too much in our policies. And I think that's really important when you, if you are looking to become B Corp certified, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. I've had a few people that I'm, I've heard, and I'm sure you're, you're the same thing. It's like, Cliff, how do you get B Corp? Just tell me what I've got to do. And it's like, wait, yeah, take yeah. a step back. Uh, like, Look at the, your values of your company first, and and I, you know, what do you what do you what do you guys care about? Now you may not align with B Corp, so don't go for it. You know, if you're just doing yeah, it for yeah. marketing, not reasons, just a marketing that's, that's not it. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly right. So that's sort of that's sort of it. And we, there's always areas that we're constantly looking to improve on. And and now you know the B Corp community has been fantastic, and we've we've and they've been out and there are members now in, in in our Melbourne side QV. So um, so it's awesome having the team there as well, and. And, uh, you know, we absolutely love having him in. That's super cool. I mean, how, how are you ensuring that your environmental footprint is kept to a minimum, minimum as well? Obviously, you're, you're creating very large space, like the one you said in uh, George Street in Sydney. Do you say it's 5,000 square meters? Yeah, 5,200 square meters. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean no, that's, there's, that's big. there's no getting around, you know, when you do construction, there's wastage and there's, there's not too mm -hmm. much getting around that. But, you know, there's things that need to be pulled out. We recycle and we try to sell them and get people to reuse them. But in terms of the space, if you actually think about co-working, if everyone had their own office, that's taking up much more bigger footprint. Yeah, yeah. If ever, if all our members weren't in our space and they had their own private office somewhere else and they took their own lease and they had to get their own internet and then they had to, you know, clean their own buildings and do all that. But for us, um, so that that in itself. You know, people sharing a space um, is, is definitely a lot more environment, environmentally friendly, but we offset um, all our energy to wind and solar. You know, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't use single-use plastics. We use locally sourced products. Um, you know, we, every one of our sites have thousands of plants filled, you know, real plants as well. Yeah. So they absorb yeah. more CO2. We have alternative modes of transport, whether it be riding bikes and in promoting e-scooters to come, come into work. You know, reusable, you know, beer cups and no, you know, plastic cups at events and stuff. It's easier to use plastic and paper, paper plates, but we don't use those mm. things. And uh, you know, recycle uh, coffee grounds. So you know, these are the little things that we've done, but there's still a long way to go. And I think, um, you know, as we sort of, if, to be honest, the last two years were really tough for the business. And even though we're still trying to do the right thing, I think the most important for any business is to be profitable, to be self-sustainable. Because if you are, then you can afford to pay your staff, uh, and then you can make a big impact on 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 your communities and and, and the environment. Cliff, how important is it for you the the wellness of your your staff and and your members in the you know in the in the space, especially when you're kind of designing these spaces? I mean, does it change every time there's a new building, like there's a new brief? Do you go, hey, what can we do differently this time, or what what we're not going to do again? We did that we learned from the other times. For sure, we're always learning um, from the first site we had in Collingwood back in 2016 to you know our George Street building. So there's always new ways of learning, but um, you know little things like adding a lot more private meeting rooms and, and Zoom rooms within our spaces are really important. I guess being on the front foot of creating a really safe work environment and a really great place to work. Uh, we've just been certified as well, um, a great place to work in in Australia and and and. Um, you know, our team, we've, 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 we have a lot of staff members that have been with us for six years, five years since, since day one. And I think that's the biggest testament is if, are you doing something okay? Okay, how long, what's your retention like? So 
Um, obviously, there's areas that we need to improve on, but we try and go above and beyond when it, when it comes to looking after our staff well-being. You know, when COVID hit, we gave everyone a week leave off for mental health and fully paid for. Um, you know, we have a great maternity leave policy. Um, we have great diversity, and you know, there's always there's always areas that you know we we, we need to sort of keep keep looking at. But uh, I think it's a fun place to work, and if our staff are happy, then our members members should be happy. If our staff aren't happy, you'll see that in their face when they when members walk through the door. Yeah, you can just it kind of feels like you're walking into a hotel lobby. Uh, I don't know if you've been like Ace Hotel in New York or London and places. Yes, that London, kind of shortage. or Soho House. Just that kind of like that energy of just God, a lot of cool people just doing stuff. Don't know what they're doing. They're on their laptops <laughs> and stuff, but they're they look like they're happy. They're getting like great food and look looked after. It's that's a really nice, comforting feeling. You know, yeah. to know that you're in an environment where uh, you can comfortably do your thing? Well, you know, for us, it's about we know what will separate us and what will, what will get the best member experiences by is, is the community. And we don't do day passes. We don't, you know, the amount of companies that now want to tap into our community, you know, you can imagine mm -hmm. it's a very niche target yeah. market for, you know, young entrepreneurial, a lot of disposable income. It's the perfect market for a lot of companies. And the amount of people that hit us up, hey, can I present this to your members or can we want to give free legal advice? And we just like, no, 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 no. And then they try and apply for, a, hey, can we do a day pass? And and you just know they just want to book out the boardroom and say, here's free legal advice. We don't do that. Uh, we, we, we reject about 15% of inquiries that come through the commons. And that's because we just know they're a bad fit. Um, they're just mm -hmm. out to sort of – it's all about collaborating and, and growing. But some some people have the wrong impression where they just want to sell, sell, sell to the members and, and grow. And that's that's not what, what we're out for. So it's our job also to protect our members where they've got a safe place to come and work, where they can feel, you know, we've got their best interests at heart and that's that's what we do hence why we don't do day passes and we mainly most of our community they're they're all here long term 12 months or longer you've come a long way i mean obviously i mean could you could did you ever envisage that you were going to be when you're sitting here in your with your mom and in, in your in your bedroom looking at uh what a star wars wallpaper or whatever you had um, <laughs> oh, come on, mate. It wasn't that. <laughs> it, racing Ferrari calendar. Bruce um, Lee wallpaper. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Oh, was it? <laughs> no, no. no. Ma yeah. Matching uh, single Duna as well? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> the racing car bed. <laughs> where, when you, where, where are you sitting there? Would you imagine this going to happen? Did you imagine you'd be talking now, only not that far, many years later, about you know your 11th building, your 11th um, commons? Okay, so we before I went to Asia, I wrote down. I was you know journaling and I was writing down. I want to be a TV host for Channel V or MTV, and this was before I went out to Hong Kong. And so it was always in the back of my mind. This is how I'm going to do it, and it's sort of that power of visualization and and you know, yes, constantly you know, hopefully manifesting that. And when I started my production company, that was a means to start the Commons. And so I wrote down, I still got yeah. the Pinterest board of what it would look like. And, and the, the, these things happened in 2014, 2013, um, when I was yeah. looking at the ideas. So it was something that was always in the back of my mind. But the goal was sort of in five years to get to five locations after we opened the first one and we fell in love with the idea. And then we said, oh, let's, let's try and get to five locations in five years. And we've sort of out, you know, we've been operating for six years, just on six years now. And uh, we're at 11, so, and, and you know, we'll, we'll sign more. But our, our goal isn't to be the biggest. Um, we just want quality over quantity. Um, you know, we've probably got enough in Melbourne. We might need a flagship CBD and we'll see what else. But we're not trying to get in every single location across mm. Australia. Yeah. Uh, that's not us. And, again, we'll, we'll just, it's slow and steady. Uh, we'll consolidate. We're opening three this year. We'll open more next year. But, again, maintain be profitable really basic business stuff you know uh yeah, you know yeah. scale we don't need to raise money uh i will i will say back in 20 2018 we partnered with riverly an amazing family one of the largest private property developers in the country and and they they mm. they took a share and interest in the business and they sit on our board and they've been absolutely fantastic from day one they were like you know we want you and tom to keep majority share of the business and Throughout COVID, they've been super supportive, um, and and they've sort of helped us scale the business now to where it is today. So a big shout out to Riverlee for to get helping us to yeah. get to where we are. 
That's amazing. And so future plans for the commons like overseas? Nothing or yet. Are you going to branch out into other areas? Um, Asia would make the most sense given my network, Tom's network, even Rivoli's network. We have a huge, huge connections in, in Asia, even my wife's, yeah. uh, you know, connections, whether it be China, yeah. Malaysia, Philippines, Hong Kong, Singapore. But, you know, when you overexpand, you've seen what happened time and time again. Businesses overexpand. Yes, it's sexy to be in these other countries. But for us, we're just fully focused on Australia in the next five years. We're not looking overseas. Um, yeah. The hardest has been the, these first five years, and now we're in a good position. I think we we could comfortably, you know, we're at 11 sites in the next five years, comfortably get to 20, 25 locations. But again, I'm not sure if we want that many. We will start to look to acquire sites ourselves and buy and develop sites ourselves. Um, that, yeah. That's probably the next phase in, in the commons. So again, yeah. it's it's sort of was more about for us building a moat. After COVID hit, we were like, geez, this is, we're not, I didn't, I never, no one could predict what we just went through. And so no. what, I, what that's taught me is to say, you know, never, just make be be prepared for anything, and I sort of next year we'll, we'll have we'll have the uh, the savings uh, to acquire our first site, and that's sort of what we'll 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 be looking to do and, and develop that with our partners, Rubelli. So um, once we do that, who knows? We might move into other areas and offer new services to our members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't want to say anything too much yet, but there are big goals. Oh, there are okay. big goals for the Commons, Vince, uh, in terms of it's more, I, we see ourselves as, you know, we're experts at creating community and space. And I think the natural progression from workspace, what else What else can we, what else would my members love that if we launched something new and uh, whether that be in wellness and who knows, sleep, hotels, yeah. you know, there's an idea for you. So whether we get there or not, but that's sort of, it's more than just the workspace for us. You're, t you're totally right in terms of community. That's what it's all about in terms of yeah. uh, we have a place team too and, and um, around kind of designing, branding and, and marketing, kind of creating kind of a places, et cetera, place visioning. We had a defrost the other uh, little while ago uh, and I called it um, community is the new immunity. <laughs> um, and it's really – well, it wasn't meant to be funny. But anyways uh, – <laughs> Sorry, but I, I just like the play, <laughs> I like the play on words. But I, I like, like the it. fact that's that always... coming together, whatever whatever community community that is, or creating a community or growing community, it's actually there's this strength in in that kind of uh, coming together and sharing and uh, looking out for each other and uh, interacting and and connecting, etc. Like it really is. I, I definitely feel like that's something that is going to be huge. I mean, it's something that obviously always was, yeah. but. It's with, you know, what's happened with COVID, we all dispersed and, you know, our community was online uh, and everything was online. We're watching shows online. We're doing emails online. Everything was like on this goddamn screen. Um, but it's like the community, the physical community, physical community coming together is something that is, you know, obviously the positive energies that radiate from that, the interactions and the nuances that are missed through uh, everyday interactions online are, 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 are what we're designed to experience, right? We're designed to experience that. Yeah, exactly right. And humans were, <laughs> you could say, designed to not live online and, and to actually physically interact and be together. But, you know, if you look at the best brands in the world, they all have share one thing. They've all got a loyal fan base and a loyal community. Uh, and that, I think that's yeah. really important for whoever's building a business or listening to this. It's sort of, you know, focus on your community and your community is your customers and your, your members and um, making sure you, you know, you offer your best, you, you put them first over profits. You, you, if you do that right, mm -hmm. then I think the rest writes itself. Um, and so we're really fortunate. Our members are absolutely awesome and hence why I think we've recovered um, really well during COVID because we've got such an amazing membership base, such an amazing community and, and you know, we're super grateful for that and I'm only, you know, looking forward to doing and going uh, above and beyond and, you know, uh, announcing more exciting things that we can sort of help our, our members with. That's really cool. Um, can you help me get on to Channel V in Hong Kong? <laughs> Ch channel, channel, um, channel, channel V is a, a, a dead basically. It, it I just know, shows I music. Know, as, I, I know. as I said, YouTube really killed music video. It's, it was kind of sad, yeah, but it yeah. was. I understand. I understand. So everyone went online. MTV still going strong, I think. Yeah, but all reality. It's not. It's not. Not. They're not talking about well, music ever. It's all reality yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's it's hardly MTV anymore. 
question I ask everybody at the end of the podcast is, have you designed your life? Not, not yet. <laughs> Getting there. Not yet. Um, well, you're really bloody determined. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of, we've come a long way, but there's, there's, there's much bigger ambitions at play. And I think once I see that coming to fruition and I can sit back and, and see, you know, amazing community and people, you know, in our spaces and stuff, then, then maybe, but who knows, maybe that's just something in me that I'll never, the answer will always be no. <laughs> um, well, you, yeah, I mean, you and Tom have created an incredible brand, incredible organisation, created places for people to thrive and grow and come together. That's seriously admirable. And, uh, you know, you made it work through COVID, which is no mean feat, and you're coming out stronger as a result of that. So congratulations, um, Congratulations, Cliff Thank and you, Tom. Vince. Just really think this yeah. is really, really uh, a special, special company. Yeah, no, thanks so much, mate. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you shedding light on, on, on our industry as well. And, you know, obviously a uh, long way to go, but we're, we're, we're bloody excited. And uh, congrats, mate, on, on, on the podcast and all your fantastic work as well. It's great to see everyone. Everything's open and, and, and we're all busy again. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Design Your Life, Business for Good, with The Commons co-founder and managing director, Cliff Ho. Stay tuned for more inspiring guests in the upcoming episodes of our dedicated B Corp series, Business for Good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.